Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like building a bigger pipeline with real customers leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this deep sales and LinkedIn has built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn sales navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn sales navigator and get a 60 day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60 day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. I think that this is a Roman horse to just take down Bitcoin without do in a roundabout way because it's going to take all of the it's going to literally deflate the reason for crypto. People are just going to go into the crypto. They're not going to buy the actual crypto anymore. They're just going to put their money into an ETF. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Money Moves. We got all things stocks, real estate, and personal finance to help you on your wealth building journey. As always, my brother, Mr. Ryan Breedwell. Howdy, y'all co-host and of course always your host hostess with the mostest Mattie we are always excited to jump on and talk what has transpired over the course of the last week as well as what is going on in the very near future to help you stay with a pulse on the market to make the best investing decisions that align with your goals and when you are looking to achieve them by if you enjoy anything that we share on the show all we ask no subscribes no going and checking out MillionaireMindcast.com. It's all about reviews this year. We are 100% focused on getting organic reviews from anybody that enjoys the show, listens. All we ask, leave a review, share it with somebody. That is the best way to repay us. With that being said, we got a great episode for you guys. We got the Bitcoin ETF and some interesting news that we actually wow, just I know. We watched, watched it play out real time live. We'll talk about that for all of our crypto heads out there. There's definitely some movement happening with the commercial real estate market. Mm. Some interesting stuff around repurposing assets, some stuff that's mountains, some distress that's coming to uh, fruition that I think is going to create some massive opportunity for commercial real estate investors. we got some updated reports on what is going on with housing prices, the single family market, Lawrence Yoon of the National Association of Realtors and some of his recent comments. And of course we'll get tapped into what we're seeing here in the market, some of the reports that came out last week, what we can expect this month. Yep. And all I know is every week you and I record, we're one week closer to a rate cut. We are 25 basis point rate cut. At, tw- at a minimum. We'll see how... I don't think it'll go... If they went higher, well... Ooh, 
Ooh, then the market might start ripping real nice. But we'll talk a little bit more about that. And the number one commercial real estate asset class in 2023 was officially announced. I'm curious if you can guess which one it is. We'll talk about the top 10 markets too. That asset class still has a significant amount of runway and demand Mm. for. And I figured I would share a little bit more around this idea of one commercial real estate asset getting leveraged into multiple opportunities and how really sometimes all it takes is one to get you on that trajectory. And I know you and I were just talking about this, right? Of like, I know when I invest in a commercial real estate asset, I've got my timeline, I've got my return goals, Mm -hmm. I know what the plan is. I can't control necessarily everything around what's, you know, the market and what's going on. But that being, if only, yeah. But that being said, I have a, an expectation and a plan of how I'm going to get that return. And what we were talking about is what I thought was really different and interesting about you and a lot of the conversations you and I have had over the years is you do that in a certain capacity for your clients and the people on your side of the fence in the financials market. And I really yep. have never talked with too many financial advisors that look at it from that perspective. As a real estate investor, it makes a lot of sense to me. But what I've realized is most people that are investing with financial advisors, they don't necessarily look or approach their investment with through that same lens. And you sure. do a really good job of explaining that and setting proper expectations and giving kind of good rules of thumb based on investment sizes and what the strategy is behind it. So we'll talk a little bit about that today as well. And how this kind of intersection between the two, right? A real estate portfolio and your financial advisor and kind of wealth plan on the market side and the equity side really work so well together and yet are inverse in some ways. But when they cross those thresholds, it really is the solidification of a holistic investment portfolio and how they de-risk each other the further you get down that path. So we'll talk a little bit more about that today. Before we jump in though, the one thing that I was like eating my popcorn on and just loving the last week was the Epstein files. Wow, I know. I saw... Did you dig into any of that? I did. The craziest one was they unsealed like a couple days ago, the additional documents where there was like a sex tape with Prince Andrew and Jeffrey Epstein in it. Or no, Jeffrey Epstein wasn't in it. That there was a it was a disposition, and they were talking about how the the person had seen a sex tape with them in it, and how Jeffrey was smart enough to make sure he was never caught on camera in those situations, but had these films. I wonder how he knew. What I don't know. To I be. feel like he just knew. You know what? He probably knew that one day he was going to get killed, like he did. So he just recorded all this to have it just as backup, and here it is coming back to bite these people in the butt. The craziest part to me is how it's not more. Headline news. Politicized or yeah. publicized? Yeah, they're... Yeah. Well, you know what's funny? This is why I thought it was funny. They, The media, the only time you really heard about it in the media was when they were trying to use it to drag Trump through yeah, the mud work. again, it, which yeah. they didn't. Um, most of the mainstream media outlets, at least on the left, I saw so many headlines over the last week. Clinton and Trump, Right. And it was like Clinton, if you go and read through the documents, was listed in those documents countless times. Quite a bit. And then there were third-party verifications of other people in court depositions talking about all the 
creepy and freaking weird stuff that dude was doing and into. And then three time that Trump's name was mentioned in those court files was from a girl who was saying basically, no, I never saw him there. No, he didn't do any of that stuff to me. Basically exonerating him. Yeah. But it was funny how every mainstream media outlet and headline was Trump and Clinton, but they didn't go and talk about what Trump did or what Clinton did. They were just lumping it all together. So I thought that was funny. And also what I thought was interesting was, again, them going and trying to attack this dude and drag him through the mud again, his freaking ratings and polling goes up. Yep. That's just a good sign of that the people are not buying a lot of the stuff that the media is pushing this time because although it was maybe believable for some people now that the kind of cat's out of the bag, I think a lot of people are saying like, yeah, no, Trump wasn't a very nice person. And yes, some of the things he said was stupid and mean and he's an asshole for that. And we've both agreed that, man, come on, dude, shut the fuck up. Yeah. But now that they see the policy that they're dealing with, yeah, Joe Biden's PR team sounds good. And yeah, Joe Biden says nice things. But man, things have been expensive. And how come we're market hit an all-time high under Donald Trump too, but things got cheaper? Why did the market hit an all-time high under the Dow Jones and the NASDAQ so far had an all-time high under President Biden, but things are getting more expensive. Mm-hmm. And that's just because policy. Policy is going to drive the bottom line for things like that. And, and I think people are starting to say, man, the policy sucks. I, you know, And now that I realize that both of them suck, Joe Biden sucks for this reason and, and Donald Trump sucks for this reason, I'm going to pick the one that sucks and pays me the most. Yeah. And that's, I don't know, I've been saying that for years on this yeah, show. Yeah, you say you I, vote I, vote, with your- I would literally... You know, make sure I don't choke when I say this. I might vote even for a Democrat if it meant that I would, it would be better for my business and my bottom line. Politics is not something that I try to get involved in or think that people are going to be completely honest on their political opinions because they're not. No. They, the policy that they're promising is what I want. And if as long as they follow through with the policy and they're doing that policy and I can rely on it, at least then I can figure out how to make money. Yeah, It sucks when you have somebody that says one thing and does another mm-hmm. and you can't even rely on what they're going to do or the policy that they have uh, tenders to their voting base. It's yeah. not like good for the whole nation. It's like, this is good for just my party. Yep, um, And I don't like that either. Um, there's always going to be some of that on both sides whenever you get a Republican or a Democrat in office. And I can respect that to a degree, but you know, getting rid of student loans was a slap in the face for anybody who had paid off their student loans, including myself. Yeah. I worked hard to do it, stressed to do it. And now people just bitched and moaned that they didn't want to pay their student loans. They elected somebody and now their student loans are forgiven. Public servants, military, veterans, disabled veterans, that stuff makes sense to me. People that are just liberal and they don't make a lot of money because they sit around and protest or sit on streets or they want stuff handed to them and they just get their loans forgiven. I don't think that's fair. And that was that's fair to anyone. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter political party, religious affiliation, ethnic background. Well, it's look not, your, not fair. Here's what I'll say. People are voting. One of my mantras or one of my funny quotes this year that I said on the King's Table a couple of weeks back was, awake is better than woke. And right now you see a lot of people waking up because they aren't liking what they're seeing get shoved down their throat and put in their face every single day for a very small fraction of the population, the world's population, mind you, that we are pandering to. And yet people are gone, 
I don't like this. This isn't me. This isn't aligned with my values. It's not aligned with my business or my goals. It's not aligned with my kids and my family. And so I think more and more people are awake right now. And now the head on a swivel, trying to discern and sort through all of the information that's out there is, is where I think a lot of people are, are looking to say, what does align with me? Whether it's a podcast, whether it's a community, whether it's a, a business, or whether it's a store that you want to patronize. And so I think when you see more and more people thinking and making decisions more cognitively Mm -hmm. because of that, I think that's a good thing. It's going to move things in the right direction. And I'm not saying one direction is better than another, except for the one that it's been swinging aggressively in for the last few years. And I think it'll be interesting to see if I've heard more and more reports of, you look at Biden's cabinet, it's falling apart right now. Mm -hmm. You, they are setting up the stage for the fact that he may be dropping out of this race here early in 2024 you still think he's going to make it on the ticket? Yes. You do? Yep. I don't, because th- they really don't. They can't like add Gavin Newsom. He, he can't be president. He can't? Like, he does, they have a, and he, I don't think he can even be vice president. He has to have to file paperwork and do stuff. But if there, but there are certain loopholes that they could say these boxes are checked. The therefore, Constitution, this opens that door. Constitution is very clear on what happens if the president steps down. The line of succession that co- that it it goes, yep. and the Speaker of the House is who would come up to be Vice President. Yeah. That is how it would work. Yeah, I don't know who that is currently, but Mike Johnson, right? That guy. Yeah, not the Republican. It'd be a Democrat. The House Speaker. Yeah, it'd be the Democratic Speaker of the House. It's always for the political party that's in. So that's a Democrat, some Democrat somewhere, whoever replaced Nancy Pelosi, whoever that is. Yeah, I don't know. That's, I think, who would step into it. But there is a succession order, I'm not, you know, that would happen. I don't think you can loophole. They've thought about stuff like this. Mm -hmm. They've thought about stuff like this. They have a whole, so-and-so's killed, this is who's next. If they don't do it, I think it follows that If they're betting on Joe Biden being their ticket to another presidency, that ain't looking so hot. No, I don't think so. I'm surprised that Vivek isn't polling higher than Nikki Nikki Haley. Haley. Nikki, if you think about it, and we can digress off this topic in a second. In my opinion, Nikki Haley is a conservative Democrat in a Republican's clothes right now. Correct. She reminds me of a more conservative Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I don't... Still very cringe. I would love to have a woman president. I have no problem with that. I just want more of a center right. Yeah. That would make me feel better. Not somebody that's hey, I'm I'm center left, but I like some stuff on the right and so I'm going to Our boy that. your boy, your favorite, Mr. Bill Ackman has officially announced today he left the Democratic Party over the Harvard scandal. Good for him. Pershing yeah. Square Capital. Yeah. Pershing Square Capital, multi-billionaire, dude's beast. And he put that out there today. I thought that was interesting. More and more of these big corporations and companies. Elon Musk. Laying off people that were in specifically this equity inclusion department. And a lot of those, what are, I forget what they call it, equity something, ESG score or equity yeah. EIG. ESG, Environmental Social Governance. Yeah. So, and that's that was what was being pushed by the... The last 24 months. 
Yeah, current administration was putting that on these firms like, hey, if you want to have make your investment money, you have to show the carbon score yep. and the And how many of those have dropped that in the last six months and said, What a fucking hoax? Yeah, what I, a I'm, sham. A ton. Yeah. Um six trillion to the tune of almost six trillion dollars has has been lost due to that. So yeah, that was I, I always say the money and your emotional personal decisions do not mix. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a tool. People try to use it like it's a political thing. It's money. Yeah. It's not a political thing. Very good on Bill Aikman, Pershing Square, hedge fund, decent success rate. I think he's been most famous recently for saying he was buying something or, or something was, he was talking crap about something, a stock, I believe. And he, he was sold buying his the bag. Cr- yeah, he was buying the crap out of it the whole time. That's what those big smart money funds do. They like to say something on the back end when they've got all of the... Or say something on the front end when they've got all of their shoots and ladders set up on the back end, which is what smart money does. Yep. That being said, talking about smart money, the SEC, they have had an interesting 24 hours. Yeah, we were Obviously, the big here. conversation has been around Bitcoin ETF, And this being a very big and good move for cryptocurrency, SEC, Gary Gensler has taken some lumps in this space. They've gone back and forth. They've been trying to nail down policy. You and I, when we sat down to the table before we hit record, we saw a tweet breaking the SEC grants approval for all Bitcoin ETFs for listing on national security exchanges And then 20 minutes later, Gary Gensler gets on his Twitter and says, the SEC Gov Twitter handle was compromised. We haven't approved it yet. And the market had already been moving. Yeah, went up a little bit. And then I think when they heard the news that it wasn't, it went down. But I'm still, I really don't think it's going to be great for crypto long term. So why does everybody, for those that are somewhat crypto novice, but understand the high level of, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and some of the other utility plays out there and cryptocurrencies. Why is everybody so excited about the Bitcoin ETF? I think the only reason that people, and I really want to say the institutions that are sponsoring it are excited is because they get to bill people. It's just profit generator. That's the only reason I can think of. The whole point of crypto from the, the crypto boys out there and gals is as close to self-custody or self-custody or having actual self-custody as you can with having some anonymity. Self-governance. Yeah. And now you're going to buy an ETF or mutual fund or trust fund, whatever it is, that holds Bitcoin, that's representative, represented by a share, that can trade in an open market. No, by the way, now you're getting billed 20 basis points all north of 1.5 for a grayscale percent. I think that this is a Roman horse to just take down Bitcoin without do in a roundabout way because it's going to take all of the it's going to literally deflate the reason for crypto. People are just going to go into the crypto. They're not going to buy the actual crypto anymore. They're just going to put their money into an ETF. It significantly democratizes it, makes it way more accessible. Correct. Without a lot of the headache and the but off the system. Correct. That. Bitcoin is, wants to be traded Which on. is very interesting, right? Yeah, they're going to put it in the regular financial system. It's very ironic that, that people are so excited about yeah. this I don't think when it's, it's almost anti to the mission statement of why it was created in the first Correct. place. 
So I do find hilarious. it very interesting. I think from an investment perspective, there might be some great potential with it. We bought Grayscale, Ethereum, and Bitcoin Trust back before they were slapped with the known that we had uh, offloads of. We had it in our one of our more aggressive yep. allocations, maybe like one or two percent. Yeah, but yeah, it's pretty. It's wild. The so do you think it's a it's going to be let's say short term, long term? Does anything change? Let's say this gets the approved, right? And it is going to be on national security uh, I think it'll get approved exchanges. on Thursday, early as Thursday this week. So now basically retail traders can buy into this, get a little sliver of that without necessarily having to go all the way into crypto land, right? Which is intimidating for a lot of people. Is this a good thing for Bitcoin and maybe crypt, let's say specifically Bitcoin and cryptocurrency as a whole? Or do you think that this is the beginning of a longer, choppier, challenging time for cryptocurrency? I've been saying regulation was definitely needed in order for crypto to become somewhat of what it wanted to be. I don't know if this is the what I was thinking of. In fact, I do know. It wasn't what I was thinking of when I said that because the regulation would be more so, hey, we have we can regulate the blockchain to a degree so we can protect investors. Or people with this much Bitcoin can only sell so much at so many times because that we don't want the market to fluctuate. Things they, they could put like they do in the stock market. They would put stops and limits. Hey, we can halt the market if there's too much. But then that, again would go against the whole mission of Bitcoin, which is why I've said that it just is never going to work because the environment that it wants to be in, it's like a fish that that wants to fly and breathe air, but ultimately always has to go back to the water. It just, it has to be what it wants to be. And at the end of the day, it's just in a, an environment where it can't function like it would need to. The other thing that always holds uh, Bitcoin specifically back is that a lot of people still use it for illicit stuff. I'm not saying the majority of transactions are done that way. And I'm also not saying that people don't do illegal things with cash. Mm -hmm. But what I'm saying is there's some sort of checks and balances for the cash side to catch some of that money laundering and things like that, where it's a little harder to do on the cryptocurrency side. I don't think it's going to be great. I do not think that it's going to help cryptocurrency, the ETF, the spot ETF approvals. I think long-term, it'll take a lot of steam out of the market. But it's funny because it's specifically for Bitcoin. Yeah. And which is interesting, right? Yeah, I'm like specifically for Bitcoin. Is I'm, there, if someone were to look into that and investigate that reasoning or intention further, is there anything there? Yeah, it's over 40% of the crypto market. Okay. Cap is just in Bitcoin. So I just think it's the biggest one. Got it. So, so, so it's the biggest the opportunity. has the most volume. It's the biggest threat to the market. Therefore, that's why smart money wants to maybe go in and. Biggest amount of volume, so the most amount of potential money to be deposited into your ETF. Therefore, the most amount of opportunity to bill said yeah. dollar amount. Yeah, makes sense. So, makes sense. With that being said, are you going to tap in at all? I don't know. Still TBD, huh? Still thinking. Potentially. Okay. We've done it before, but super small amount. Yeah. What about you personally? Fuck no. <laughs> I'll never buy Bitcoin. He's <laughs> dying on that hill, y'all. Yep. Never will buy Bitcoin. I've said it. I meant it. I have Ethereum. I have Solana. Yep. I've seen your account. I like yep. it. Yep. So let's shift over to recap real quick. On last week, we had FOMC minutes. Non-farm private payroll came out. Unemployment came out. 
What did we see? Anything good, bad, indifferent? Really good. Different. Uh, unemployment was about flat. Uh, we had a little bit of a, people said it was hot, but it was just slightly higher than expected on our uh, private and non-farm payroll data. Uh, but the real story, I think, was average uh, hourly work week continued to go up. Um, and FOMC minutes did give indications that we should we should expect a quarter percent interest rate cut here in March. That was up to what, 67%? A 67, almost 68% chance. Currently, we're 21 days away from the meeting in January. As of today. So when this uh, recording comes out, 20 days from the meeting in January. And they're going to pause at that meeting. I think they're going to give some indication though. And I would expect them to give some sort of indication either in the Fed speak after or in the minutes in between the next two meeting or the next meeting to the March meeting because there's a month gap. There's no meeting in February that they are going to cut because it would be a huge upshock, I think, for the market. Yeah, so I think they want to help it get set up. It's already semi-priced in, but it's better to forecast that so that the market can prepare for it versus just being like, hey, and by the way, money's cheaper today. Yeah. That would send, that would make the lending debt market go a little wild. Because they know they have to still tightrope this. They can't, they, they almost have to future pace us to what is coming, right? Like they they need us to somewhat be trailing the narrative and the sentiment of the market to allow it to navigate accordingly to get through what still feels like some choppy waters, right? Yeah, essentially things can't get too good too fast. Yeah, there we go. And that's really what it is. It's That's where we get into the scenario that we've talked about a few times called a melt-up. And it's like a reverse recession where things get really expensive really fast. Inflation spikes back up. And we've everything that the Fed or whatever has done for the past two years to get us back to where we are now would be in the rearview mirror and we'd be starting over again. Goldman Sachs, I thought it was interesting, put out a statement today noting that they believe mortgage rates will stay above 6% through 2025. Yeah, they also said Bear Stearns wasn't going to collapse. So I'm going to go ahead and say no. Have you lost any confidence in some of these big name brand shops that used to, everybody used to hang their hat on their word? Have they lost some of their credibility over the years? I wouldn't take Goldman Sachs too serious on real estate forecasting. They yeah. don't have, they don't have a map. They have a huge real estate investment department comparatively to what we would consider. Sure. But on the large scale, Wells Fargo does much more in the real estate department and investing side along of along with probably uh US Bank and BMP Paribas or um BMO. Those are they have more real estate. I think that um an an investment bank is not going to be one that has their toe in the water as in that area as much as like a traditional lending yeah. side bank does. JP Morgan Chase would be better to forecast the stock market than they would the real estate market. And I would say Wells Fargo would be better at forecasting the real estate market than the financial markets. Yeah. It's just my opinion. Yeah. I would, I would Considering agree. that Wells Fargo is the number one servicer in the United States for jumbo loan products. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. So speaking of single family housing markets, CoreLogic just released their monthly report for U.S. home sales showing an increase of 5.2% year over year in November. And they believe that prices are going to continue to increase as well as competition once we start seeing some of these rate cuts in what we believe to be starting in March. So definitely, I still think that there is 
great opportunity in the single family market. That being said, I don't think we're going to see as much distress in some of those really juicy opportunities that some people got accustomed to over the last few years of post-COVID. But Lawrence Yoon of National Association of Realtors came out this week and gave his thoughts and the association's thoughts around the worst in home sales is over. The worst in housing affordability is over. And he believes, they believe, this year will be a year of home sales recovery. He thinks that it's going to bring out more buyers and maybe even nudge some sellers to list their homes in addition to new single-family and multifamily product being complete and brought to market as well. We saw that the apartment vacancy rate increased in Q4 per Moody's. And of course, no shocker here, office vacancy rate is in uncharted territory at a record high. The national office vacancy rate rose 40 bips to a record-breaking 19.6%, which shattered the previous record of 19.3% set twice, once in 1986, driven by a five-year period of significant inventory expansion and the other in 1991 during the savings and loans crisis. This surge represented the largest quarterly increase since Q1 of 2021, which has set the latest office vacancy 280 basis points higher than its pre-pandemic level. In those kind of challenging times for certain asset classes, this is honestly one of my favorite times to see what real estate investors slash entrepreneurs do. Because this is where innovation usually finds a home in these asset classes. Now, depending on how quickly those repurposing plays come about, I think that's still TBD, right? Because sure. there's, a, I still think, a major correction that has to happen in values, right? Just because it's... Probably got another 6 to 10% to go. Exactly. So... As I sad think, as that is and, to say. And the only way that 6 to 10% is going to happen is there's going to be some blood in the streets, there right? There's going to be some cap rate expansion. There's going to be some NOI compression. There's going to be people unable to get refis or to trade out of an asset. So therefore, they're going to have to either drop their price or they're going to have to give the keys back. Seeing sales of assets that sold in 2019 selling 80%, 70% less than their like value in 2019. And it's because the operator's like, if I don't, I'm going to end up as, with a zero value. So I need to take whatever I can and get the hell out and write this off through some tax mechanism over a long period of time as a loss. But I need to get rid of this and give it. So there's operators that are solvent that are picking up assets in good areas, mostly like medium size to yep. like large, small, five-story, seven-story, eight-story multi like where where we like see in Roseville with a lot of lending companies mm -hmm. three or four floors yep. multiple different companies lots of different tenants small companies private companies large companies but mixed use yeah there's a really good one over off Rockland yeah. a little putting green in the middle yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a really well ran yeah. building so things like that i'm seeing hey we bought this for 170 million and now we're selling it for 35 yep and people are like we'll buy it for 35 because if we can get it we can hold it and just sell it in, in five years yeah, for I mean, more than 35. The replacement cost to build something like that, you're in at 30, 40, 50% of replacement cost. Now you got to be solvent enough to make it Service through the, yeah. the, the challenging and choppy season. But if you can do that when the market recovers, whoo, there's a massive amount of arbitrage and upside to be capitalized on. And, 100%. and I, I believe that is going to be the moment of the market 
over the next couple of years is those particular situations, those operators, those types of asset classes. And it's yeah. not just specific to office. I'll give you a good example. There's a good amount of... It's the building and the asset classes that have a, a shift and a transition going on right now with their user base. And it's the work from home phenomena obviously 12, 24, 36 months later is making shit hit the fan in commercial real estate. You can only weather that storm for so long. There's also this change in how people are doing business, how consumers are buying from businesses, right? So there's a shift going on right now in certain retail asset classes. There's a shift going on with churches and schools. I even saw... And this is how creative people are getting. And again, this is, you know, I don't want to say an anomaly. This is maybe an outlier, but these kinds of opportunities are out there. This is one of the most unique residential conversions I think I've ever seen. I'm going to guess without you said, because he hasn't told me anything. You probably saw it. I saw the article on a baseball park. Baseball stadium. So I'll get into that right now. Before I I do, this is just one example. I saw, I think... Late last year, they took an old abandoned high school and turned it into a mixed use, like co-working on the bottom floor, all residences on the top floor, right? People are getting creative. And these people bought this thing for a million. And I think they ended up refining it at 9 million after being all in at three and a half, right? That's a massive amount of upside that they created by just looking at an asset and going, we have a vision here. We think we can execute on this model. And there's a lot of different asset classes out there like this special use, special purpose types of assets. Office can be one of those, right? But this one was a freaking, a former baseball stadium that got turned into apartments. 138 units. It kept the existing roof, the exterior wall, the infield and the outfield. Brick and limestone facade was restored. Steel sash windows were restored. And essentially, the photos are unbelievable. They turned this double A or triple A baseball stadium that was abandoned into a really cool mixed use apartment complex. Yep. These types of opportunities are going to be out there all over the country. And it's going to be for the people with chops who have a vision, who have a team and an ability to execute on that thing that are going to see 10x returns on things like this. So again, I'm not saying this may be the first one that you want to cut your teeth on. Maybe you get involved with a group, right? Maybe you do something as an LP with another deal. But the right operators, the ones with the right capital, the right team, and the right experiences are going to absolutely murder these types of opportunities. And they're going to be out there. So I thought that was really interesting as I was digging into more and more of these studies around how do you repurpose some of these spaces that just don't have the type of use demand as they once did, maybe in, let's just say, office product, 70% of that demand goes away and you still have a good, strong 30%. Well, what are, what are those 70% of assets going to be turned into or used for? Yeah. That is a blank canvas for a creative real estate operator to go out and murder it. I think that's going to be really interesting for people that have that kind of vision and operating chops and ability to execute. And then shifting over to some of the darlings, multifamily Mm -hmm. is still going to be strong and high demand. But at the same time, I think there's going to be some distress mounting there for obvious reasons over the last couple of years. But the real darling of 2023 was industrial. Yep, Industrial was something that 
you know, again, as you see many of these brick and mortar businesses looking for smaller spaces for their service-based businesses, as you see more distribution hubs trying to get more centrally located to cut down on delivery times and things like that, there's still a lot of demand and runway for industrial. And these were the top 10 with the strongest 12-month industrial absorption, meaning product came on the market, it got absorbed by a seller or a buyer into the market and purchased right away. Number 10 was Philadelphia. Number 9 was Charlotte, North Carolina. 8, Savannah, Georgia. 7, Columbus, Ohio. 6, Kansas City, Missouri. 5, Indianapolis, Indiana. 4, Phoenix, Arizona. 3, Houston, Texas. 2, Chicago, Illinois. And numero uno, Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. Dallas, Fort Worth. So I still think that one, there's good runway in these markets and there's good industrial demand in other markets as well. Guys, we've been talking about it. Executing on the plan, my plan. I talk about it until I'm blue in the face. Buy one commercial asset a year that nets $50,000 a year and do that for as many years in a row as you possibly can. If you do that for five years straight, that's 250 k a year in passive income. And that's what we're focused on in the Wise Investor Collective. If you want to learn more about that mastermind, check out wiseinvestorcollective.com, which is the 25-person mastermind. We've got all kinds of other cool stuff. You can check that out. And if you are looking to get more focused on pairing your real estate investing with a holistic financial plan, that's where connecting with Ryan and his team on the financial x-ray where they'll go through your entire portfolio for free and basically give you thoughts, feedback, look at all your fees, look at your allocations, build out a comprehensive plan that you think might be more aligned or better, or you'll just say, hey, you got a great plan, right? So if you want to know more about that, you can text the word X-ray to 844-447-1555. Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast And trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's myfirst50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. But when I talk about just like executing on the plan. You've been somebody that has shown me over the course of your investing career and executing on your plan, year over year, compounding growth, what that has turned into. I was thinking about, man, 
my first one of my first rentals I bought for seventy five thousand. I refinanced three times, and I think got about two hundred fifty grand out of it. That led into another deal that ultimately led me to my hotel deal, which then when I sold that hotel deal, led me to exchanging into a bigger medical plaza, right? When you think about how one smart investment decision done over and over again can continue to unlock new levels of cash Compounding. flow, of wealth, it's a really beautiful thing. And so if you're depending on where you're at in that spectrum and where you're at in that journey, I just think it's important, right? To say, here's where I am. Here's where I want to go. Here's the vehicle that I am going to become a master at knowing the ins and outs of and operating in and out of every single day and playing this game at a high level. And then if there are other vehicles, like for me, mine's commercial real estate, the other vehicles, life insurance, the stock market, Mm -hmm. long-term financial planning, I've got an expert in you to do that. And then investing in other businesses and things along those lines is my plan and what I execute on. So if you don't have your own plan, I just highly encourage you, especially with the opportunities that are right around the corner in this particular season, in the stock market, in commercial real estate, to get that plan mapped out. Because if you can be clear on what that is, it's really simple to execute on something you're very clear on. It's when you're all over the place and I want to make more money and I'm going to try this and try that, that you actually end up slipping backwards and not really getting the results and the outcome that you're looking for. Correct. Yeah. You want to have your time and assets allocated towards something that's going to give you the return on that investment that's appropriate. Yeah. And we talked a little bit about that of like when you and I sat down, I was always focused on here's my investment into this property. It can get me this return over X amount of time. And and it was, okay, I can see that being a reality, but I got to do these steps. And what I'd never really experienced with a lot of financial advisors was you doing that same thing, but in your world. Yeah. And maybe you could talk a little bit more about for people that haven't had that experience or approach with their financial investments outside of real estate. What does that look like? And why is it important to ask some of those questions and think through it from that lens? So I think the biggest thing for that is that people tend to, that come from the real estate side, are used to how you can immediately leverage into real estate and then produce income. So you're more focused on the distribution of that asset versus the accumulation of that asset because you don't need to accumulate anything. The asset has already accumulated a value. You need to leverage into it to, to essentially milk the cash flow out of it. And then, of course, it's going to slowly accumulate over time, yep. which is the point of real estate. So that's why it's a front-loaded, front-end asset. It doesn't have that compound effect. It does, but in a different time, way. like... On an stock inc- market does though. Not from an income side, Correct. but then you don't really do the leveraging into the stock market, exactly. which is why... Most advisors are only focused on the accumulation side, which is important because you have to capitalize your accounts and let them accumulate over time to then get to a balance where you can then generate a passive income. But when you get to a very large balance in those investment accounts and you do generate the passive income, how fast you can increase that income out of a brokerage account is a lot faster, like hundreds of percent faster than you can take it out of a real estate rental portfolio. For example, if you set rent up in one year, 
and we have the equivalent amount of rent coming out, I can increase my distribution out of my investment portfolio by about 2.5% compounded and never stop it. And increasing your rent by 2.5% per year for all your tenants compounded would be great if you can do that. And if you can do that, awesome. You should definitely teach people how to do that. But most of the time, you're going to lose tenants and then you're going to have cost for doing that. So your rent maybe appreciates closer to 1% per year, maybe simple, not even compounded interest. Right. So... The difference is it just takes time to get to where the asset, just like it took time to build that apartment building, get the plans done, build it for the material. Yeah, one, I wouldn't say one is better than the other. They, they are just they do different. They, they do the do same thing different, different ways. Exactly. That's yeah, a perfect, they, I would say they complement lo- each other. And I was gonna say I love that they because they do the same thing in different ways and in different vehicles. They really complement each other well. But you got to get to that threshold, right? Yeah. Like in the beginning, like you said. It's not sexy. sexy. It's It's boring. There really isn't a lot of like validation for what you're doing. But then when you turn that corner, it starts to get really fun, really addictive. It's the same exact thing. You just have more time under your belt and more resources to play with now. Correct. And the thing that's really nice is when you have used your real estate assets to fund those accounts, your insurance, your brokerage accounts, and they're now big you have all these tax benefits buffered and built in with your real estate. Yep. So a lot of the income that comes from those accounts, it's tax-free from your uh, life insurance. And then you get to a point where you're like, hey, on paper, I make less than XYZ. So none of the distributions from my brokerage account are taxable either because there is a way to have tax-free distributions from your brokerage account if you're married or single and make uh, on paper, yep. your AGI is under certain, adjusted gross income is under a certain uh, level. You have to talk to your tax professional to find out if that's you. But that's the magic of having a plan so you can know or figure out a way how to get there versus just having a basket of investments. A lot of people come to me with investments. They don't have a plan. And taking all those investments and turning them into a plan is very important, especially when you're young and you're our age, so that when you hear stuff that goes against or against what you think or you hear something or somebody poo-poos on your plan, you know that's not true and you can ignore that. Ignore naysayers. If people say buying real estate is bad or you're going to lose all your money if you go into the stock market, those people don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. So having a plan is what's prudent. And then the last part about having a plan is the most important, sticking to the plan through thick and thin. And that also is where a lot of people fall short, where they get some sort of adversity and they fold. And it's a lot of times on my street, on my side of the street, it's, oh, the market's going through a correction or the market's going through a recession. I'm going to tap out. Where I know if we walked down to Apple and you saw AirPods were $60 off, you're not going to freaking flip your lid and say, Apple's crashing, they're a dog shit company. You're going to go run and buy that product. Yeah. So just educating yourself and training yourself on how to actually think about things from a commercial real estate side, which is why we have the Wise Investor Academy mastermind to doing proper financial planning, which is why we have the x-ray. Those two things coupled together are more powerful than just being blinded and doing only one, not just doing traditional investments and ignoring real estate, not doing real estate and ignoring traditional investments because real estate's working and you understand it. Those are the biggest things that hold people back. So people taking that leap on both sides are the ones that will be most successful long-term. A plan, I think, a plan a professional or a peer that is an expert in that space and accountability and just executing on that is as simple of a formula as you could boil it down to, right? Of course, there's more ins and outs to that. But 
That's why we love talking about this kind of stuff on the show, guys, is because one, your plan can change and you can pivot and you can adapt it over time, right? But at the end of the day, you want to be a part of the conversations that are going to support you in making the next best decision for your specific goals. Not what somebody else thinks you need to do or has their two cents when it could be completely gone and they're not experts in it and they just read an article and they don't have any track record or experience in the space, right? But by being around the right people, you go into the right conversations and you take the right actions. And if you don't get the right results, at least you are equipped and able to make quick adjustments and pivots along the way to keep moving in the right direction and not letting five or 10 years go by and going, man, I was just trusting this guy to make the right decisions for me and that didn't happen. Yep, I've seen that. Come up recently. I'm so, sure yeah. you have. <laughs> so with that being said, we appreciate you guys tuning in today. We'll have more updates and data to dig in on next week. If you guys have not taken 60 seconds to leave a review, that's all we ask. Please. And again, don't forget to text the word X-ray to 844-447-1555 to connect with Ryan and his team if you want to talk more stocks and investing in the long term on the equity side and the markets. And for all my credit investors that want to get on my um, investor list, you can text the word DEALS to 844-447-1555. Or if you're looking to get more active in commercial real estate, buy your first um, commercial real estate investment property that nets you a minimum of 50K a year. Uh, we've only got 25 slots open. A handful of those are already spoken for. But if you want more information on what we got going on over there and commercial real estate is an, a vehicle that you're going to be leveraging to build wealth going forward, check out thewiseinvestorcollective.com. That being said, we appreciate you guys for tuning in each and every week. Can't wait to rock with you guys more in 2024. Until next episode, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your march to a million and beyond. Cheers, y'all. Peace. Cheers. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Money Moves. Be sure to tune in next week for more news and updates. And if you got some value from today's show, all we ask is that you take two minutes and leave a review in iTunes, where by doing so, you're going to get entered into win a $100 gift card. Also, don't forget to take advantage of Ryan's free financial x-ray on your investment portfolio. And to do so, all you have to do is text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. What we have found by offering this out is most people have no idea what they're being charged from a fee perspective, or really, in most cases, overcharged, and whether or not their current investment and financial plan is actually aligned with what they're trying to accomplish. And this is something that Ryan and his amazing team do for all of our listeners for free. So be sure to take them up on that. Again, that's x-ray, one word, 844-447-1555. Also, if you're an accredited investor and you're not on my deals list, be sure to text the word deals to 844-447-1555 to be notified of the private investment offerings my team and I put out and last don't forget to check out all the amazing products and resources that we offer to our Millionaire Mindcast family at MillionaireMindcast.com. Whether that's one-on-one -on -one coaching with me, mastermind events, calculators, the Rich Life Planner for those looking to take their goal setting and productivity to the next level, we've got all kinds of great and valuable tools available at MillionaireMindcast.com. With that being said, that's all for this week. Until next week's episode, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March 2 million and beyond. Cheers, my friends. <laughs>